the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. podcast and i am your host nick digilio and it is episode number 111 we are with the radio misfits podcast network the best podcast network in the world at radiomisfits.com there are dozens and dozens of amazing varied entertaining informative fantastic funny great podcasts available at radiomisfits.com check us all out i've got a, a different podcast as well i've got two of them now this one and that show hasn't been funny in years an snl podcast which is a weekly podcast that is a deep dive into the greatest sketch comedy show of all time you should subscribe to that it's once a week where i dive into the world of saturday night live um and every episode sometimes i'll have guests sometimes i won't but it is all about the celebration and the history and the amazingness of Saturday Night Live. So check out that podcast, uh, new on Wednesdays, every Wednesday. Well, this is the Nick D Podcast. Thank you for being a part of it. Coming up, Dmitry Samarov is going to join me. He's my old buddy, incredible artist, and now a fantastic, he's a great writer. Uh, he's got a few books out there, and he does amazing art. He used to drive a cab for many years, and he's got incredible stories on that. I've known him since he was a cab driver uh, years and years ago. Uh, we became friends, and uh, you know he writes for The Reader now. He's got a couple of books out. He's a success story. We're going to talk to Dmitry, Dmitry Samarov about his new book and all kinds of other cool stuff. Esmeralda Leon is my partner in crime. She will join me a little bit later on, as she does for every episode. We got some megaphone. We got a megaphone message. And again, megaphone messages. You want me to say something into the magic megaphone? It, it'll get translated into craziness and out there in the ether. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Doesn't matter. And we get requests all the time. So if you got a megaphone message that you want me to send out, a joke or a secret message to someone, whatever, Send it out. Let me know what to say. Send it in the form of an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what to say. Or you can send a voicemail, 773-417-6948. And again, the voicemail and the email stuff, 24-7, we encourage uh, any kind of voicemail, 24-7, or any kind of email, anytime. For voicemail, 773-417-6948. And for email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for the wonderful themes that you hear and the, and the craziness that you hear uh, audibly on the show. And Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. So yeah, uh, Esmeralda Leon will be joining me in addition to the megaphone message. We have more crazy uh, Kit Kat flavors from around the world. We're going to taste test. Love doing the taste test. Have a great time with that. We are going to talk about characters on TVs, particularly sitcoms, that completely changed. Like, wait a minute. That character isn't at all the same as it used to be. So weird little tricks and changes that characters made on television. We'll get into that. And my dad's going to come by and tell a joke. My dad, Nick DiGiulio, 81 years old, been telling jokes his whole life. He comes by every Tuesday to start off the early week with a great joke. My dad has tons of jokes in his brain, and he shares them every week on the podcast. So my dad's going to tell a joke. Dmitry Samarov is my guest, and Esmeralda's going to be here, and we'll talk uh, and have a lot of fun. And also, we want you to come out to Zany's. We've been doing, we're going to continue to do live Nick D podcast, live events once a month at Zany's in Rosemont. It's going to happen every month. 
And we really want you to come out. If you're a fan of this podcast, you need to get your ass to Rosemont uh, Zanies and have some fun. We give stuff away. We do a taste test. We have trivia. It's very, very funny. The audience is interactive. We tape. You know, you'll be part of a live podcast taping. So it's this very podcast that you've been listening to live. So you need to be there. You need to pack the place. So this time it's going to be on Tuesday, February 21st. And Esmeralda Leon will not be there. My co-host, she will be in Mexico. She's on vacation that week. But Amy Guth will be standing in as my co-host. And Amy Guth is incredible talent uh, who uh, hosts a podcast, who writes movies, and who all, does all kinds of crazy stuff. And she used to be a host on WGN along with me. We used to work on Saturday nights. She was on the, the show before mine. And so I've known Amy for a long time. She's funny, and she's beautiful, and she's enter- and entertaining. And she will be there live sitting in for Esmeralda. So my co-host will be the beautiful, the wonderful, the lovely Amy Guth. And our guest will be John DeCoss, who is a 40-year stand-up veteran who is not only hilarious, but also the musical director and contributor to the Steve Cochran Morning Show that you can hear every morning, 5.30 to 9 a.m. on WLS AM, the Big 89. And you can hear me on that show. I'm the film critic for the Steve Cochran Show on WLS. You can hear me uh, regularly every other Friday contributing to the show and reviewing movies. But John DeCoss, musical director of the Steve Cochran Show, is also a veteran of stand-up. He's done movies, he's done television, he's written, he's done all kinds of great stuff, and we are going to dive deep into an interview with John DeCoste live on stage, and we'll get a bunch of laughs out of him as well. So John DeCoste is the special guest. Amy Guth is my special co-host that night. I will be live on stage, and my dad will close the show by telling jokes. You have not, you have not experienced life until you've seen my dad on a stage in a legendary comedy club, 81 years old, closing the show with killer jokes. He's done it twice so far for our two shows, and he killed both times. He's the best part of the show. So he closes the show. So my dad closes the show with jokes, and uh, it's going to be entertaining and interactive. We'll give stuff away. It's just going to be a blast. Be there. Be a part of it. It's a great night out. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors. Invite your enemies. Let's pack the place and have a great time. And everybody, it'll be interactive. You'll be part of the show. So get your butt to Zany's. In Rosemont on Tuesday, February 21st. Showtime at 7.30. Doors open at 6.30. Tickets are available now. Get them now. Reserve your seats right now. Rosemont.zanies.com. Nick D. Podcast Live. This podcast only unbelievably entertainingly fun and interactive. So be there. Uh, John DeCoste, Amy Guth, me. 847-813-0484. That's the box office. Get your tickets now. 847-813-0484. Zanies in Rosemont. Uh, fantastic. Tuesday, February 21st. Let's pack the place and have a great time. So that's coming up. Um, we're going to be doing it again. We're going to be doing it once a month. Can't make it in February. Hopefully you can make it in March or April or whatever. We're going to be doing it once a month. And I want to thank everybody at Zanies in Rosemont. Uh, Chris in particular, who is the GM there for saying, yeah, let's do this. So let's pack the place. We are also going to be giving away, in addition to the t-shirts and all kinds of other cool stuff, we'll be giving away a magic megaphone. Yes, the very same kind of magic megaphone that I use on every episode of this podcast. So, all right. Anyway. So, anyway, we want to see you February 21st. Let's let's sell the place out. Rosemont.zanies.com, February 21st, Nick D Podcast Live. All right. Let's say hello to uh, Dimitri Samarov, a fantastic artist and an incredibly interesting dude. And he's my guest right after I tell you. Oh, right after she says hello. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. What can I say? Felicity loves the show. All right, Dimitri Samarov, artist, writer, uh, renaissance man, joining me after you get to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. 
It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jaggle. All right, I would like to welcome uh, to the podcast an old friend of mine um, who I met while he was driving a cab. He, was a, he spent a significant amount of time driving a cab here in Chicago uh, and elsewhere. Um, and uh, he is also an incredible artist and a writer. And now um, he writes for The Reader. He's reviewing movies. He's got books out. Uh, all kinds of crazy stuff is happening for uh, my guest. <laughs> and it's uh, Dmitry Samarov. Dmitry, how are you, man? Pretty good. Yourself? Not bad. How's your day? Uh, it's all right. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, I'm a little uh, perturbed about this whole... I'm not going to get into it because it'll open up a whole can of words. I'm a little perturbed what? about this whole Andrea Riceboro Oscar nomination controversy thing, but I'm not going to get into that. That's what well, we, we we could. Uh, I, I mean, I, 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 that I think it's just a smokescreen, but... Uh, and, you know, that... A smokescreen in, in what way? That, that there's an... Inve- that anything's going to get investigated or what have you. Like, yeah. It's like that cat's out of the bag, and you know, it's. It, I will. I'll say this: it's the only nomination that I'm at all interested in out of any, pretty much, of this this year's Oscars. It's just like one of the worst. Yeah, uh, I agree. List of uh, nominations in a pretty good year for movies, but uh, I agree it's the only, with the, only one I care about. Dude, that's the that is. I, I agree with you one hundred percent of the movies that are nominated. Of the of the what are there nine best picture nominees right now? So, uh, yeah, seventy. I think it's seventy three. But <laughs> I like I like of the of the seven or of the nine that are nominated. I I thought All Quiet on the Western Front was solid. Um, yeah, I like that one a lot. And actually. and I love Banshees of Inisherin. Everything yeah. else, everything else sucked. I hated every. I hated Tar. I hated everything everywhere all at once. I I, 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 I everything else on that list. I, I hated them all. Yeah, um, I. I actually like Tar, but I don't think it was, uh, you know, a, a great movie or anything. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. I I walked out of everything, anywhere, whatever, after 15 yeah. minutes because it was giving me an anxiety attack. Yeah. Uh, well, you didn't miss I, anything for the rest of the hour and 45. No, I know, I know. Uh, but people love that one. Uh, I hated the Banshees of Inisherin. I really, really disliked that movie. Really pretty actively i mm-hmm. think that guy's really diminishing returns with each new movie mm-hmm. it's he's getting worse and worse uh yeah i don't uh, agree with that at all uh i know but, i know but uh but <laughs> i mean but the, but the, of the movies that came out last year my my number one movie was two leslie and um oh it was yeah oh, okay it was my number one movie and i've been singing the praises of andrea riceboro uh since may when i saw the movie when it had no distributor i saw it at the chicago yeah. critics film festival um, it's the best performance of any of the performances that are, that are nominated in that category. It's not even. Yeah, and, I loved and, her performance. I didn't love that movie, but uh, yeah. uh, I, I mean, my my favorite movie for whatever it's worth was uh, the Stars at Noon, but yeah, uh, uh, which was not nominated for anything and dumped by its by its distributor into VOD, so it didn't even play in Chicago. I had to right. go ride my bike up to fucking Skokie, mm-hmm. uh, no, to Wilmette to, to Wilmette see it to in a theater. It. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I liked it. Uh, this, yeah. But the same thing happened. I know you're not crazy about Maybe you weren't crazy about the movie, too, Leslie. Uh, same thing yeah. happened to that movie. It got dumped by its distributor. It played from yes. one week to houses of about seven at the music box for a week. 
Yeah. And no, and I no- saw it at the music box. Yeah. And then and then and now, uh, you know, the, the, I'm, I was just happy she got nominated because I think it's an extraordinary performance and she's one of the best yeah. actresses on the planet. And yeah. now it, there's it's tainted. And I was just happy that people were going to get to see the goddamn movie. Like it was, oh, now people are going to see it because yeah. it'll be, you know, people always yeah. want to be, sure. you know, completists and they want to see the movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this will be great. And people will finally get to see it. And now there's this fucking cloud over it. Like, <laughs> like are yeah. you kidding me? Are you kidding me with this? It's, uh, I don't know. So that's been, I've been aggravated about that now for about uh, four days. Just Well, but whole... I guess on the flip side, and as, as we know from, you know, our night nation's politics, there's no such thing as bad publicity. It's true. So. People will be curious about, well, they will have heard about it for the first time ever, most people, right. because of all of this. Because they've never heard of bad. it. And the, and the other yeah. thing is, like, I mean, the other absurd thing is that, that bringing race into it, like this, you know, these two white women who took the spots oh. of, of, uh, of Viola Davis and, and Darlene, uh, uh, Darlene Detweiler. Uh, well, first of all, Anna oh, Darmus, from the it, from the Emmett Till movie? Yeah, oh, Emmett Till, that, from, the Till okay. from Till movie, uh, and then from, uh, and the other one is from The Woman King. Um, oh, okay. and, and it's like these women took these white women took the play. And by, by the way, yeah. I'm the Ar- Ar- in blonde. She's great in that movie. And she's she's also Cuban. So I don't know. You know, people are <laughs> bitching about that. But the thing is, like, it's suddenly race is brought into it. Like, that's, you know, like, sure. that's an, that should be an issue. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievably ridiculous. So anyway, well, also completely self-serving because the people that are bringing this up, I will bet money are mostly white. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, there's no question about it. Yeah, there's no question about it. So anyway, all right. Well, we've we've done that sidetrack. Let's get into uh, people can check out your stuff at uh, dmitrysamarov.com. Uh, com. Yep. Um, and that's d m i t r y d m i t r y Samarov. Uh, Samarov is uh, blessedly phonetic. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Very cool. <laughs> blessedly phonetic. Okay. Well, let me ask you uh, about how you started getting because you know for people who might not know you were you. You came here from – when did you come to America? When, when did you uh, – We came – me and my family came to the Boston area in 1978 when I was just short of eight years old. Okay, so uh, you're around eight and you moved to, moved to America, moved to Boston. Yes. Did you spend most of your formative years in Boston? Uh, uh, sadly, yes, until I escaped to go to, to art school in New York and then Chicago. I, I was stuck in Boston for about 12 miserable years. Okay. You were miserable <laughs> in Boston, but you were always interested in, uh, in art. We talked about this before um, and in drawing and, and, and things like that. Now, and you started to drive a cab. Actually, you started to drive a cab in Boston before you started driving one here. Yes. I, I made the bizarre uh, life decision of, to move back from Chicago after graduating from the School of the Art Institute in 1993. I moved back to Boston. Mm-hmm. And uh, stayed, you know, crashed with my parents for a couple of months and then uh, needed a job and became a cab driver within about a year after learning how to drive a car any kind of car, I became a cab driver Mm -hmm. at the age of 23. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was why did you do this? Was this some sort of, I needed a job. Were you interested or, I mean, I actually need money, obviously. I I opened the the paper in the want ads and there was a, (laughs) there was a box that said drivers wanted. And I followed that to a checker, checker taxi cab of Boston and got that job. Uh, Mm. I didn't know, I mean, you know, I've written about it a bit, uh, the, the thought process. I mean, you know, the movie Taxi Driver played a part right? for sure. Uh. <laughs> yeah, which I know, I know, I mean, I know you, so I know why 
that movie played a part. And but when yeah. when someone who doesn't know you hear hears that and goes, "Oh, this guy's a fucking psycho." Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I no, I I didn't I didn't have a messianic urge to to cleanse the streets or <laughs> or or kill presidential candidates or anything. Right. No, this is not a John John Hinckley situation. Or... <laughs> right, 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 right. No, but I understand why. I mean, I understand why because I know you. Why you would be, uh, uh, and we do share that uh, in common. We do have a love for Taxi Driver. Um, yeah. Uh, so I still. No, I, I mean, I needed so I knew that, you know, I had a degree, I had a Bachelor of Fine Arts, which I knew would qualify me to work in the service industry. And I'd I'd worked in restaurants, I'd worked at movie theaters, uh, bakeries, you know, all, all the places. Yeah. Uh, uh, so this is just another way of of paying the bills. And what, one of the attracting things was that I could sort of set my own schedule. Uh, right. And if, if I didn't feel like driving that day, I was out money, but nobody was telling me that I had to be at work. Right. So the flexibility of it was definitely one of the draws. And how long did you drive a cab total? Total 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about three years in Boston in the, in the mid-90s and then in Chicago from uh, 2003 until 2012. Okay, and uh, and I was a frequent uh, uh, passenger in your in your in your uh, in your cab from around yeah. two thousand seven or eight or something so, like that. Around seven or eight was when yeah. I discovered your show. What do you call? I, I listened to a few of your episodes. What do you call it? The car wash. The car wash. We call the yeah the, yeah that radio Back, station. We call it. The yeah, car you wash. had a radio station that yeah was housed in a car wash, and yeah, I started listening to it because. Back then, your show was overnight, mm-hmm. so and I was driving hour those hours, and there was nothing to listen to. And it was before they developed, you know, easy technology to pipe in something like an like an iPod or a, yeah, um, you can listen to your own music very easily. There's yeah. lots of primitive like workarounds, like plugging in a cassette thing. I mean, right, all this right. shitty weird in between right. technology. Right, right, so, right, right. right. Most of the first years, up until the last couple that I drove, I had to listen. If I wanted to listen to anything, was just broadcast radio. Yeah, mm-hmm. and your show was interesting because you talked about movies and uh, other other things I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, I started picking you up when you were because because of listening to the show, I knew when when it ended. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I would show up in front of uh, the Car Wash Central. Right. The, the Trib Tower. There's nothing wrong with the Trib Tower. I don't have anything yeah, against there, the actual. Yeah, trib, no, no, yeah, nobody knows that there used to be a car wash inside the Trib Tower. There was, a, there was indeed a car, a car wash inside the Twin Tower. The Twin Tower, I'm sorry. The trib tower. <laughs> Whoa. Wow, that was very weird. Um, well, anyway, so. This so is getting a, really dark really fast. Well, well no, I mean, actually, actually, it, I, I, I think the reason why that was in my brain was because um, I was doing a little bit more research on on you and your book uh-huh. old style yeah uh, so that's why 9-11 was in my head um, oh yes yeah because... so that's that's seriously that's why because i was just like you know reminding myself of some of the stuff that you've done and old style this book that this illustrated book that you did is about war is is about working in bars between it starts in 2001 like 9-11 it goes through the plague that you call yeah it. Yeah, uh, of t- of twenty twenty. So that's why it was seriously. That's probably why it was in the, in my brain <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's a yeah, that's a book set in bars, which is well, another well, t- another venue that you're it, familiar it, with. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yes, very very familiar <laughs> setting. <with>. Yes, <laughs> uh, a setting that I'm very familiar with. So you you uh, drove the cab, and all the time that you were driving the cab, you were doing your art, and uh, 
Um, and uh, w w in terms of like the artwork that you do, what is your specialty and what do you usually work in? Wow. Uh, so there, there's many, many different things. <laughs> yeah, but the, um, I mean, I, after I, I, my first writing sort of like attempt at writing was a, a sort of a zine about my Boston years of cab driving. And it was a cut and pasted, old school cut and pasted zine assembled at Kinko's before I knew how to use a computer or anything. Yeah. With mostly drawings or in ink paintings, uh, uh, which rendered scenes from my uh, cab career in Boston and uh, a sentence or two typed out on a Smith Corona typewriter and then pasted in. So that, that was my first attempt to sort of like write about that experience or write anything but a outside of a homework assignment. Um, that happened around the year couple of years before I went back to driving a cab, but mm -hmm. the whole time, uh, I mean, since childhood, basically my thing has been sort of drawing and painting, uh, things I saw with my own eyes, you know, from, right. from, uh, firsthand from perception. Uh, right. and that's really in various media has been my main thing up until pretty recently in, you know, it actually, yeah, in pandemic time, I sort of took a turn into this collage thing that I've been really into lately. That's like mm -hmm. the newer thing, but broadly, it's it's painting from life. Uh, I, I, so, you to, yeah. Tell me about what 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 uh, muscles of the brain or the heart that you use when you're doing collage, as opposed to doing portraits or or uh, or, or art from your eyes. Uh, I I mean I I imagine it. I mean it's all intuitive and not hard to describe in words because that's the reason you do visual art is it's something you can't write or say, but uh, the the source material for most of these collages is like old drawings, old homework assignments, bits of text and stuff. It's not photographs for the most mm -hmm. part. Like a lot of people would, you say collage, you think of like cut up photographs. Right, right, right. Uh, mine are not that for the most part. Uh, it's bits and pieces from basically from my past that I'm reconfiguring into a new thing to try to both say goodbye to, to this like archive of this giant archive of, of shit that I've lug, lugged around everywhere. Right. And to try to see if there's something new to be made out of it. And it's a, I think it's an attempt to merge the writing and the art in some way. Because that seems, that seems, that seems yeah. what, yeah, that's what it seems like. It seems like because yeah. the writing thing was new to you, for, yes. for a while and and you're combining the two and i think that's what it feels like actually when i look at the stuff that's what it feels like to me it's yeah like, like in the new book there's those collages in the in the paint by numbers and yeah the new book is called paint by numbers the most recent uh, book yes. put together is paint by numbers and by the way all the stuff that we're talking about the books and uh, the art and things like that you can check it all out at your website dimitri mm -hmm. yeah you all can book you can buy the books in the store that's linked in the in the website and right yeah so paint by numbers let's talk a little bit about paint by numbers since it's the newest sure uh, yeah where, what was the inspiration for what were you what, what was the goal in putting out uh, this book paint by numbers <laughs> so i i mean I, i'd covered in my previous books they they were about the the first couple were my experiences as a cab driver uh, after that was uh, uh, was a, a book that collected uh like 30 years of sketches of musicians playing it's called uh, music to my eyes mm -hmm. it's primarily a visual book but there's also short sort of uh kind of essays or 
like kind of memoiristic pieces about the day that the drawing was done or oftentimes about the musicians playing on stages. Then I did a, a book uh, about coming to America called Soviet Stamps, which I think you the last time we talked on, on air was at the car wash about That's that right. book. About that. That was the last time we actually had you in studio to talk, yeah. Or yeah, which Maybe was, not even in studio. I think it might have been during... I think I came in. Did you? Okay, because it was right before the pandemic, I think. Yeah, yeah. This would be the very beginning of 2000. Uh, that's when that book came out. The very beginning uh, of 2000? No, 2000. 2020. I mean, 2020. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say 20. Yeah, 2020. 2020, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, the one after the, the ones after that are like, I, I did a sort of like a whatever director's cut uh, criterion collection version of the cab stuff all in one book right. called all hack, all hack, right. Which is rewritten and re-edited, And it sort of erases the bad memory of my second cab book, which is put out by a small press locally. That's run by a crook. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, after that was the bar book old style, uh, which covered sort of my intermittent uh, other career of being a, a bartender. <laughs> Yeah. And then, uh, the, you know, during the whole time, I mean, I've been involved with painting and the art world on, on the periphery of the art world one way or the other. Right. And uh, I had an experience about a decade ago uh, with with a quasi famous uh, musician turned painter, uh, uh, which which is sort of damaging on a bunch of levels. <laughs> and I sat on this experience because I was supposed to have written an article that had to be killed because, because the guy ended up being a psychopath. Um, and I sat on it uh, for almost a decade about without writing anything about it because I didn't feel like being sued the way he threatened to. Mm -hmm. There's lawsuit lawyers involved and stuff. And I also did not want the thing to just be a, a, a kind of settling of scores. I understand. Uh, yeah. So that was the basis of paint by numbers, but I incorporated a bunch of other experiences with other people in that world. It's sort of like, you know, I tell people it's like by my adventures in the art world and the monsters who live there, mm -hmm. me included, you know, yeah. All right. I'm, okay. I, I'm not, I'm not absolved. I don't think <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I don't come out shiny and clean. Has the, is, is this, and obviously I don't want to get into any kind of details or, you know, stuff like that in terms of, you know, bringing up lawsuits or anything. Has this been settled at all? Has it, has it, is it passed now this situation? Well, uh, it, well, because the article that I, I wrote never was published, there was a threat of a lawsuit and, uh, uh, it, the article I had, I had to get the article killed, you know, after doing right. like, like a half year's work on it, basically, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. So it's, it was a thing that stuck in my craw for quite a while, you know? <laughs> yeah. And kind of ruined this person's, uh, art for me <laughs> in mm -hmm. the various media that he worked. And it got me thinking about people, you know, that say got famous for doing one thing and then they tried doing another thing, like, you know, uh, very often it's musicians who become yeah. painters, you know, like, yeah. like, you know, like Ron Wood is, right. is a painter, things right. like that. Right. Miles Davis was a, a another very bad painter, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Uh, this, this thing of, uh, once you're famous for one thing, you, you, you get doors are open, you know, Bob Dylan sh shows his shitty paintings at blue chip galleries, stuff mm -hmm. like that. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so that, e- that's another theme of this book. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so obviously appropriately titled then uh, as well. Yes. Um, okay. And that's available at uh, DimitriSamroff.com. Uh, Are you still um, – I mean, I know that you're you, – obviously, as an artist, you still – you know, uh, uh, draw or you paint on a pretty regular mm-hmm. basis. You keep get you keep that going, right? I mean, that's something that you do. Of course, um, yeah. It's, it, it'll always be the main thing. Yeah. And and do do you still do uh, shows? What, 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 what do you have a show coming up? Do you have shows? That, you know, that, yeah. There's there's supposed to be. Uh, so for now, this will be yeah for the 26th year. Not every year, but most years, I have a show at the Rainbow Club in Wicker Park. Yeah. Uh, in the last couple of years, it's been in June, so I, I think it's going to be in June. And then uh, in July, I'm having a show at uh, Firecat Projects uh, in uh, oh. Bucktown. All right, cool. All right. Uh, and that's going to be in the summer? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. So I think those are the things that are coming up uh, art-wise. Art-wise, um, uh, Rainbow Club. Uh, what was it like for you during the pandemic when that hit? Um, I mean, obviously, it didn't stop you from doing art. Maybe you were even inspired to do more. I don't know. But like it, in 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 regards of like, did you have a show running that had to be closed down? Were there things that affected the schedule for which people were able to go and see your art? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I had I had a, a show scheduled in uh, twenty twenty at the Rainbow. I think maybe in August or something. That obviously didn't happen because the bar was closed. Yeah. Uh, I also that. That effectively, no, it wasn't quite the end of my bartending career, but uh, I had been working at a bar regularly part time mm-hmm. and I was off for 15 months because mm-hmm. the bar didn't open until the, the summer of 2021. Right. Didn't re- reopen. Yeah, that's when things slowly started to come back right around. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so they, they reopened then, but I, uh, I I went back and worked there about three months. I quit. I quit that bar in Halloween night, uh, 2021. So I haven't had a regular, uh, service industry gig since then. Was there a reason why you quit? Was there a specific reason why you quit on Halloween night? Did something happen on Halloween night of 2021? No, no, I, I'd or given notice. Like, I, I'm done. I, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I'd given them several weeks notice. Okay, because it sounds like you said, I quit on October 35th. I thought maybe something definitive <laughs> yeah. happened on, on Halloween. Because shit can happen in a bar on Halloween night. I mean, oh, you know for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, no. Uh, no, no, I scheduled it that way because I okay. thought it was, it, was, it was kind of funny to just... Well, you can understand I, why I would pursue that line of questioning. Like something oh, must oh, have for happened sure. on yeah. Halloween night at a bar. Yeah. I can no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. But like one of the things, one of the many things that happened during lockdown is I figured out a way of getting by without the bar. Mm. I mean, money, money wise. I mean, I've yeah. You asked before about like if I was. I know a lot of people got completely like sort of stuck, whatever, creatively blocked during that time. I, I I've never been more productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I put together and published two books. Uh, I discovered this whole other, oh, like sort of creative outlet, which is this collage thing during that time. And it just eliminated all the distractions. Mm-hmm. And I, I sold more art than any time in my life because all these other people were suddenly stuck in their houses and they realized that they needed stuff on their walls. You know, all the people that were busy all the time were stuck inside. Oh, I first... see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it worked out great for me. I mean, it sort of felt like a lot of the world was living like my lifestyle. Uh, it, it, I could have done it another five years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that goddamn, that goddamn 
uh, uh, <laughs> those damn booster shots. Yeah, exactly. Fucking that's, vaccine. Yeah. Fucking vaccine, man. Oh, that's stupid. Uh, uh, no, what was my other joke? Best pandemic ever. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Me. Best pandemic ever for you. All right. Very, very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, so are you working on anything uh, more book related? Are you working on, a, on on another book? I know we're just talking about paint by numbers. That's out, and all the other books are available. All hack the hack books, the old style. Um, yeah. To my eyes, Soviet stamps. Those are all available at DmitriSamarov.com. Anything happening right now, book wise? That that. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. So, one of the other things that so in this sort of like digging through the archives of crap, uh, I've saved every letter that's ever been mailed to me, and I started rereading some of them. And just as like as an exercise, I, I think I've been doing this for about a year or so, maybe more even. I started writing sort of like answers to some of the letters, but like from now. Mm-hmm. And now I have a bunch of these and I'm forming it into some sort of weird narrative. Okay. Like I assume that, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not a completely like ego monsters where I made like carbon copies of my own letters i assume that i answered a lot of these letters or like the letters are answers to my original letters okay but yeah they're, they're you know they're letters from exes letters from people that are some of them are dead some of them you know most of them are i have no contact with mm-hmm. but it's a way to sort of like reconstruct a, a life or like in all these things that are from my past into into oh, like a, a new narrative okay Right. So the book will just will just be my answers to letters. Oh, okay, very cool. And, and I, you know, these books that you've been talking about that you've been yeah. you've been very productive during lockdown. Uh, how are they? You're self publishing them. How does that work out for yes. you? What What are the difficulties in that? What are the challenges in that? And uh, w- you know, cutting out the middleman, especially. What are, What What are the pluses and con- the pros and cons of that? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, the the first book. I completely put out on my own was that one that you and I talked uh, about at the car wash, the Mm -hmm. Soviet stamps, Soviet stamps. Right. But the book before uh, music to my eyes, uh, I'd, it was, it's, it was put out officially by a small press called tortoise books in Chicago, but I found the printers. uh, I designed the whole book and uh, I did most of the work. So it was my last like, push I needed it to go into self-publishing. It's a weird time. It's sort of a quandary about all that because, um, I mean, I know how to do all that stuff and I've learned, I've taught myself like book design and, and dealing with, you know, the actual printers and all that stuff. But, um, I can't get these books distributed say like on Amazon or right or through through Ingram which is like the death star of of book distribution <laughs> okay. distribution in America uh-huh. okay and really it's it's really the only place if you want a book to be placed in a in a bookstore unless you have a personal relationship with a bookstore owner uh, you will not get your book there because they, they all come from a warehouse run by this thing called Ingram mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm I'm in this perpetual kind of like, you know, Kafkaesque war, you know, like to, to bang the door on this edifice that won't let me in. Mm-hmm. But on the, on the flip side, I have complete creative control and that's worth a lot to me. And I found out a lot of the, the th- sort of like the mysteries of like what all these middlemen like publishers do, 
there's just no mystery to it, you know, yeah. if, if you know how to do it all yourself. And it makes makes you uh, change your outlook. Like, I'm not beholden to, you know, publishing cycles or like, you know, even even the like a, a major book will get about a, like a month tops of a publicist's attention and then people forget all about it. Right. Whereas my books, you know, I they're not going to go bad. So, so if somebody's interested in it, they can buy it now. Uh, they can interview me about it. Uh, it's sort of a marathon. Um, it's a long game. Yeah. So it's a real mixed bag, and it's a it's a definitely a, an education, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a continuing education. Yeah. Well, and, you can get all yeah. you can get all your books uh, through the website at, at dmitrysamarov.com. Looking forward to uh, the show uh, the shows that are coming up uh, around summer: Rainbow uh, Club and Firecat um, Project. Uh, you're also you've also uh, dove into the world of podcasts like everybody else uh, on the yes. planet uh, at this point has, and uh, and you've been what are what are the podcasts? How many podcasts do you do? Two, two. Yeah, uh, I have my own, uh, which is called uh, Who You Know, uh, which you can find on Apple and Spotify and all the places. Yeah, uh, which is primarily an interview podcast, like long meandering conversations. Some of them like over two hours long with creative people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just kind of not pegged to any any kind of promotion. It's they're not junkets, you know. It's if you if you're just on there to promote your new your new gadget or whatever the tchotchke, it's not a good form for that. But yeah, I got you. And that's yeah, called what, who. You, that's called who you know. Who you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, spelled H U U N O. Okay. Because I'm a smartass. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, I have so I have artists, writers, musicians, those kinds of people on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one you co-host yeah. with uh, yes. some, uh, uh, Mallory Mallory Smart. Mallory Smart, who's a, a local uh, publisher and, and writer, mm-hmm. uh, she runs a, a small press called Maudlin House, and uh, she she's written a few books, and uh, she interviewed me for her other podcast, which is a, a writer like a writer interview podcast called Textual Healing. And uh, we kind of hit it off, and uh, she told me um, that she was interested in. She was a big horror movie fan, and she wanted to start this other podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of clicked, and so yeah, that's been going for like a year and a half. So that is that horror cast. That horror cast also right. easy to find in all the podcast places. Right. Um, I and I'm looking at some of the episodes that you guys have done. How many have you done so far? Do you have? I mean, it's been a year and a half, and you do. And it's, yeah. Is, is it uh, every? Was it biweekly or? Yeah, it's biweekly. I'm yeah. not sure how many we've done at this point, but yeah, we, we haven't missed too many. Uh, it's it's pretty regular. Okay. Uh, so so what uh, people can do the math on that every but, other week, every other week. Yeah, for yeah. The last year and a half. Yeah, uh, we alternate from very old movies and obscure movies to who, who, totally who picks- new movies. Who picks the horror movies that you were going to discuss? Is that is that we, like, we alternate? We 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 alternate. Okay. Well, what are some of the ones that uh, that you've had the most? What what are, what are some of the episodes that you talk about the movies that you've had the most interesting time talking about? I mean, I like you know. So one of the fun things about that show is so I'm 52, she's 32. We come from completely different like worlds, media yeah. worlds, you know, and reference point. I mean, you know, her favorite movie, the thing that formed her basically is Scream. You know, yeah, because she saw that when she was a child, of course, you yeah. know, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so it's it's fun for me to sort of stump her and like come up with things that she hasn't even heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Let's say Andre Zulowski's possession. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, which is a well, fun. What, film. what is what is what is, f- what is what is a thirty-two-year-old woman who was weaned on Scream think of that fucking movie? She, <laughs> I was really shocked. She was really into it. Yeah, she well, thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, a great movie. <laughs> well, yeah, it's and the the other fun thing. Uh, I mean, she's she's engaged to be married, and if you if you ever want to like a a, a a primer on like how or why not to be married, that's a good one to start with. Is the possession? Is possession? Yeah, 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 yeah. it's about about the worst the worst divorce ever. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I I had not seen it on the big screen in years. Music Box showed it last year, and um, yeah, anyway. they finally re released it. Yeah, I yeah. think it wasn't available for a long time. It wasn't for a very long time, and uh, yeah. and uh, and and still, uh, this was before you know everybody started coming back to the theater because the Music Box is packed. All the, I was just at the Sunset Boulevard the other day, mm. um, uh, the matinee, and there were like almost five hundred people. It was packed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and but when possession was being shown, there were about eight of us in the theater. In the theater yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it's interesting to see how many people are coming back now. In terms of horror movies, what are some of the ones that you guys that like? She would recommend some. Uh, what are some of the ones that you've liked that you didn't think you would like, or vice versa? What were some of the more interesting conversations you've had? Because that's my favorite genre, as you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the. Like it, it's definitely not one to one. Like oftentimes the better conversations are about ones we either disagree on or like both hate or something, you know, yeah. Yeah. end up. I mean, the, the, the real danger with a show like this is, I mean, almost everything we do is stuff that we've seen before. And then you end up rewatching something and it just hits you different, completely yeah. different the second time. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So the last one, uh, we actually, the one that I, we recorded this morning was about the menu. And I really enjoyed that movie when I saw it in the theater, but it's not a movie to rewatch like at all, mm-hmm. because once you know what happens in it, there's nothing else to know. But yeah. it, pro- it prompted a pretty good talk about uh, working in the service industry. And sure. What like the, just the themes of that movie. Mm-hmm. So it, we actually got it. I thought we got a pretty good conversation out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite that, uh, I mean, on the flip side, there was one, there's an episode, we've only had a couple with like a guest, like third host, which kind of throws off the dynamic. And it's, yeah. I, I, I personally much prefer one-on-one conversations in any venue recorded or not, but, uh, uh, they, she, she got somebody else on there to gang up on me, uh, to talk about scream, which, which is a movie I don't give a shit about. Yeah, and I was too old when it came out, and yeah. uh, you know, I I think Scream has a really good five minutes at the beginning, and then you can shut it off. Mm-hmm. Like when Drew Barrymore gets killed, then you can shut off the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with that, but I do, but I do, but I do understand. Like, like uh, I, you know, I mean, the thing about Scream is that uh, when it came out in '96, and I'm sure you've had this discussion a million times. If you're, you know, um you know, if your if your partner on that podcast it loves Scream. Um, <laughs> when Scream came out, there was nothing like that. Uh, the whole meta shit didn't exist. And so it was clever in that regard, like when it first came out. Now it's not. Now every goddamn movie does that. Like, it's very, yeah. very hip to be meta and comment on what you're doing. And every goddamn Marvel movie does that. All of the movies do no, that. I know. And I'm done with it. But when, when in 1996, when Scream came out, 
Um, it was new and it was clever, and I still think it holds up in that regard. I actually like the first three Scream movies very much, and the rest of them. The, and the new one's going to suck, and the last one was terrible. And- well, be- because Mallory loves Scream so much, and she's formed by Scream, of course we're we're going to have to go see the new one. She dragged oh. me to see the last one oh, which is pretty terrible. pretty terrible. Awful, awful. But it's you know that's that's a different thing. That's a social thing and it's fun to to meet a friend for a movie. Sure, uh, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, Scream didn't mean much to me. I thought they were just annoying. They were like the the video store clerks basically, like yeah. that then that I never cared for. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's or, yeah, yeah. There's chunks of or, that movie where that could have come out of the mouths of video store clerks. Absolutely, no question about or, it. Or yeah, you don't have to watch Scream. Just just see any Tarantino movie. You get the same effect, but like yeah. longer and more boring and <laughs> uglier. Yeah. Even more violent you know, than any so, screen movie. So, you, 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 are you particularly fond of the horror genre? Was this something that you felt passionate enough to do a podcast about? Uh, this is this is Mallory's show. Yeah, it's my. I I I'm just I'm just a talent. I'm 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 the arm candy on this show. Okay. <laughs> you know? All right. uh, it's fun to uh, like you know I love movies, but I I haven't specifically been interested in horror movies for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has I mean in in has inspired me to because i need you know new movies for us to talk about to occasionally you know do research or like i watch one a weird one that uh her and i totally disagreed on in a way that i was surprised by was uh that movie we're all going to the world's fair yeah uh did you see that movie yeah it was one of my favorite movies last year yeah i loved it and she she didn't like it at all yeah but i like my theory is that it's too close to home um I, I, for, well, for I people of I a certain know, age, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know Mallory, but that is a film that I think is a that I. I mean, it was. It was. I think it's a devastating film. I think it's a beautiful. Yeah. movie. and and uh, it was number six on my top ten last year. Yeah, so that um, was. So you like no, you never know uh, yeah. how how a thing will hit you, but that's maybe not a movie I would have necessarily gone and seen if I wasn't. Uh, I got you. Do, doing this podcast. I you know you. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, now, like, are some of the some of the other ones that you've done, like the classics, like you are, do, do you like The Exorcist or do you hate The Exorcist? I mean, we, we that was it was one of the first ones we did, right, like I second or third. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, for me, I mean, I'd re, I'd watch that movie a million times. Yeah, and it 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 lost a lot the last time watching it. Mm-hmm. I was really unsatisfied with it in a way that I hadn't remembered, you know, yeah. being uh, prior. I mean, the first one we did was The Shining, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we went we went for the, you know, we started with some of the heavy hitters. Sure, you know? of course, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, was but, there any was there was there one that you particularly like? Uh, is there a movie that you particularly loved that uh, that you were you're alternating that you guys agreed on? Was there something that was like, oh yeah, that is good? Now you disagreed on We're All Going to the World's Fair. Was there one that you suggested that she liked that you can uh, remember? Well, I, I'd mentioned possession. I, yeah. I think she liked. I think she liked. Oh, recent we did. Uh, she'd never seen. Uh, what's it called? Uh, oh, Jesus! Which one? She flew out. Flew out near dark. She'd oh never my seen, god! Isn't that crazy? Oh my god! Which, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's a fantastic, oh, it's and an she amazing, loved that amazing, amazing movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One she didn't, you know, because one. because she's the age she is. She didn't ever think of Bill Paxton as a young, hot guy, you know, like yeah. she thinks of him like more of like now, a middle aged dad so kind be, of guy. Because you know? she is the age, because she aged the, the, the age she is. Had she seen the fucking lost boys? 
Yes. Okay, of course. She had See, seen the, the Lost Boys. Yeah, of but, course she did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, that, was it's, the, that was the problem because Near Dark came out two months after the Lost Boys, and everybody was yeah. like, oh, fuck this weird uh, vampire movie. Let's go watch Kiefer with his hair. You know? Yeah. And, and meanwhile, this masterpiece gets lost in the sh- <laughs> it's lost in the shuffle. And, you know, right. It didn't help that Dino De Laurentiis' company went under because of you know at the same time that that movie was released. And yeah, yeah. So some some movies are just uh, sort of snake bit that way. Yeah. Uh, where a bunch of things happen. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm good friends with John McNaughton, who's yeah. had a series of movies. Well, most most, uh, especially The Borrower. They completely fell through the cracks because yeah. of stupid shit with distributors and, yeah. you know, people with money that don't know what to do. With the, yeah. You know. Now, and, has has Mallory seen Henry? Yes. Of yeah, we we covered Henry. Yeah, and, of course you can. And she actually got to meet John, which which she yeah. enjoyed. She yeah. made me introduce her to it. You know, like because we were yeah. at the Rainbow. I think it was one of my art shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe last year. Yeah. Well, John's a good guy. And what? So you you recorded? What did you you recorded uh, something earlier with her? What was it again that you recorded this morning? Oh, uh, the menu. The, me- the oh, menu. Right. Okay. So check the menu, take, yeah. take take a look at that. Of the of the um, the two big movies that were released uh, in 2022 about uh, rich jagoffs on a private island uh, and murder mysteries, I much preferred the menu to Glass Onion. Like it's not even. Oh. It's not. They're not. I mean, they're not even in the same ballpark. As the, the great privilege of being me at this point, even though I sometimes have to review yeah. movies, is I don't have to review movies like that. Well, I don't, okay. I don't see but, most mainstream movies. I just don't see them. Yeah. Well, I saw you at a screening <laughs> for fucking that auto movie with. Uh, did you read with, my review of it? No, I have not. I have not. Oh, you should. It's yeah. it's <laughs> it's one of the most negative. I've written some negative reviews in my life, but yeah. like, yeah. But I, you're I, writing. I was, you're you're, you're very. Doing, you're doing reviews and things like that for the reader, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so now you have to sit through like you would never see a Tom Hanks movie called A Man Called Otto. That's not something that you would do. No, I, and, I would. And when you were at yeah. when you were at the screening, I'm like, what the fuck is Dimitri doing at this thing? Yeah. <laughs> and we had a brief discussion afterwards about how horrendous that movie is, and it is. A it was, horrible it was movie. really, really bad. And yeah. the more, I th- and then when I sat down to write something later that evening, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it kept. You know, some movies they you, once you start kind of, yeah, uh, t- I know twirling yeah, they, them around in your yeah, head, it it's, yep. it compounds and gets worse and worse. I understand. Yep. Uh, the no, more I you know. think about it, uh, yep. I had <laughs> like I also saw you at the uh, Armageddon time screen, yes, which, which I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. I at first I thought it was okay, but I got home and the more I thought about it, the less I liked it. And that's a he's a really talented filmmaker, but it's his worst movie. It, I think it's his worst movie as well. I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's interesting to see you at the screening, and we can read uh, uh, just uh, – you go out and you review a bunch of stuff, and you review books and all kinds of things. You write books, a lot the Books, theater, uh, theater reviews, which I mm-hmm. really enjoy. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoy the theater reviews because I have absolutely no horse in the race, and that's such an insular little world. Yes, it is. And I, and I go <laughs> – which you were, you, you were part of. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I reviewed a factory theater show. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they've moved up way up north now. Yeah, they're uh, on Devon but, in Rogers Park, back where they used to start. That's where we all started. Was in Rogers on, Park. on Howard. On yeah. Howard. Yeah. They're on Howard. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it's cool because I have absolute. Like I can go in as clean as can be. Like whereas, if I go review an art show, there's a I bring a, a shitload of baggage. Yeah. You know, like forty years worth of baggage. Sure. To an art show, which I don't bring to theater. Right. Right. Which is great. Yeah. I think it helps. Okay. Uh, 
in that yeah. job. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's fun, you know. All right. So writing reviews and all kinds of stuff for the reader. Uh, you got uh, uh, some shows coming up at the Rainbow and at that uh, at Firecat. Uh, working on a new book, and all of the stuff is available. Art, books, all of that is at DmitriSemerov.com. And listen to the podcast, Who You Know, and That Horror Cast. Yeah, I'll link there. And also, yeah, if you ever need a, a portrait of your dog or cat or parakeet, that's another thing I do. Ah, okay. <laughs> Pet well, portraits. I, I have been lucky enough to have my portrait done by you. you oh, know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, yeah a dog, I'm not a dog nor a parakeet, but you did do a portrait of me, which, uh, which I have well, hang, yeah, in, hanging on my bedroom wall, by the way. It is. Hanging oh, sweet, yeah. sweet. <laughs> so, uh, well, listen, Demetri, it's great to catch up with you. We'll do it again. Uh, we'll get you in here a little bit, uh, a little bit more, uh, more frequently. Uh, then uh, I, yeah, I'd be happy to be on anytime you like. Okay, and uh, it's always check a pleasure out, to talk to you. Check out that horror cast and who you know. Those are podcasts that are available everywhere where you get your regular podcasts. And all of this stuff is linked up and purchasable and lookable at dimitrisamarov.com. Dimitri, always a pleasure, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Maybe I'll see you at the sequel to the My Name Is Otto or whatever the hell. It is. <laughs> what you mean? My name is Gump. Or... My name is Hello. There you go. All right. All right, Dimitri. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, man. See you later. There's uh, Dimitri Samarov. Uh, interesting guy. Great artist and a really interesting writer. Interesting dude. <laughs> uh, DimitriSamarov.com. That's the website. All right. Let's say hello to Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, okay. Uh, a new week. It's a Tuesday. My dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. Very uh, nice. As usual. We have uh, that stuff coming up. A uh, brand new week. Anything happen uh, uh, of note over the weekend? Uh, not really. It's real cold outside. It is. Real snowy. Presently, very cold outside. Uh, yeah, I was out in the uh, in the crazy snow um, yesterday. Well, I'm sorry, the day before yesterday, because yesterday was Monday, technically. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I went to go see uh, Sunset Boulevard, the fantastic Billy Wilder movie um, at the mm-hmm. Music Box. And, uh, and it was snowy and crazy and very wintry. And yet there were like four over, I think, almost 500 people in the theater. To, uh, oh, nice! To see Sunset Boulevard on Sunday, it's, and, and that movie, oh god, it's so good. Have you seen Sunset Boulevard, Esmeralda? I have not. It's so good. It's so good. Um, I went with my with my with my little cohort there, my buddy Julie, um, and she had never seen the first twenty minutes. She'd only seen it on TV and was just like, "Wow, mm. wow!" Because it's a it's a it's a one of the greatest movies ever made, and uh, the last. The last scene in that film with Gloria Swanson coming down the stairs, and I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. It's like one of the classic moments in cinema nice. history, and I just started crying. <laughs> I was like Aww. in the theater, like I'm in the I'm in like this really amazing, beautiful theater. I'm with a really cool person that I've known for a very long time, and I'm seeing one of the greatest moments 
in cinema history in a crowded theater on 35 millimeter and i just started crying so anyway it was well yeah it's very emotional it's, it's a, a very you know moment. it's a beautiful moment yeah in film history, so yeah so that was fun and then i saw um um the forefathers mike toomey uh, Tim Banker, John DeCoss, who will be our special guest at the next uh, live Zanies Rose oh, event. Oh, yes, yes. And yes. Steve Cochran. I saw them uh, do Very their nice. show on Sunday night at Zanies and Rosemont, where uh, we Hold on, really... now, wait a minute. Yeah. Now, you were, t- weren't you told that you were supposed to go up the next time they do something like that? Uh, well, this was already planned. Yeah, this was already, mm. this was already, this was a, this was a show called The Forefathers. It had all kinds of like multimedia uh, elements to it that they were actually filming. They were filming it for a special. Oh, wow. So they don't want me to get up there and fucking ruin everything. (laughs) (laughs) And it was fun, man. It was great. And this guy. And this asshole who's not a part of the show. Uh, No, so, but the no, they they do want me to do a set the next time that they, that they have something that's not, this was like a planned, you know, scripted kind of show. So, yeah. And I went and it was great. And, you know, those guys are great together. They've, you know, combined, it's 160 years of stand up. Those guys. That's, whoo. That's yeah. an old yeah. hybrid man. It is. It is, it is an old hybrid man, yeah. Um, it's like Brendan Fraser and Encino Man. That's what they are. Uh, there so you go. That's how I look at it. Uh, and by the way, John DeCoste, lovely man. He did a wonderful plug for uh, my live event that unfortunately you won't be at because you'll be in Mexico. But he did a really nice yeah. plug at the end of his set, which they were filming. And he didn't have to do that. And, oh, and and there was a multimedia nice. slide up on the on the screen. Holy moly! And he's like, "I'm going to be there on February 21st as the special guest." And he did like three minutes about me and the podcast, and the, introduced me because I was sitting in the back, and the crowd was like, "Oh, Nick's here! Yay!" And I was like, "Oh, wow!" So that was oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, very so, nice PR. It was very nice PR. Speaking of PR, I want you to come out. Uh, I can't. I can't record. I can't uh, plug on Facebook, Esmeralda, because I've been thrown in Facebook jail. I'm in Facebook jail right. as we speak. Posting uh, for, sexy pictures of yes. they live. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I violated the rules, the community standards on sex and nudity by posting um, the poster for John Carpenter's They Live. And if you were to Google the poster for They Live right now, uh, it is the least sexy thing that you can imagine. Well, according to Facebook, <laughs> so sexy. So sexy so and sexy. filled with nudity. Just filled with nudity. Um, well, I, I, the man, the, the, you know, I will say the alien in it, uh, no skin. So, uh, okay. Maybe that's what I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of that. Maybe the algorithm that's like goes one nuts. step further from nudity. <laughs> There's no skin. I guess that's what, yeah. I guess that's what it is. I didn't even put that together. I just thought that the people who program at meta and facebook and who help out to program the algorithms just have never gotten fucked and have never seen anybody naked that was my thought that could be as well i think that's a strong possibility esmeralda i think that's a very (laughs) that the people who program the algorithms are like oh that must be a naked person i've never had sex and this is sex and nudity um so i've gotten kicked off three times I'm, i'm in facebook jail right now and uh and ed and the guys over at uh and for how long uh, this is a week, so I will be – today, mm. well, today is Tuesday, so Friday. I've got three more days okay. of Facebook jail. So it's not that long. My la- one time I was in Facebook jail for, all, for a month. Good uh, Lord. Th- this one was – and, and also, by the way, uh, they've also said that I can't – my posts when I'm out of Facebook jail, what I post will be um, put lower in the feed as a punishment for 27 days. So, like, whatever I post <laughs> will be put lower in the feed – 
because I posted uh, the poster for fucking They Live. Can yeah. you? Um, I can't appeal it. What's it called? You cannot can't? appeal it. No, no. Wow. There's no. There's okay. no way to do it. They used to have a way to do it. Now they don't. And yeah. of course, it's it's wow. completely absurd. And uh, so now, you know, in one of my major ways of promoting the Nick D podcast and my SNL podcast uh, and our events, our live events at Zany's is through Facebook. It's a big way. I've got a lot of people follow me on Facebook on both pages. And it's a way to reach a lot of people. And I can't reach those people. So I'm telling you who are listening to this podcast to get your ass out to Zany's (laughs) on February 21st. Get your tickets now. Amy Guth will be uh, sitting in for Esmeralda. And our our guest will be John DeCoste. And we'll do a taste test. And we will have the interactive stuff. And we will give away a lot of really cool stuff, including exclusive Nick D podcast t-shirts and coffee mugs and all kinds of cool stuff. But you got to get your tickets now to pack the place on Tuesday, February 21st at 730 at Zany's in Rosemont. Rosemont Rosemont.Zany's.com. But anyway, yeah, the Facebook jail thing. You know, the other time I got I got put in Facebook jail was for for posting a picture of they live. Um, so I'm Wait, never gonna. You, this has happened twice. Yeah, it's happened twice. The first time I didn't really realize why I got put in jail, but then I was like, oh, it must be they live because the second time I got put in jail because of it, and the other time I got put in jail, and these were all for sexual and nudity. Okay, and here's the other one, Esmeralda. Interesting. I got put in Facebook jail on Christmas morning. <laughs> because on Merry Christmas morning, Christmas. Merry Christmas, enjoy <laughs> Facebook. And here's why I cha- you know how I change my Facebook picture every day. Yeah. And, and it's usually something goofy or stupid. I don't put a picture of my ugly ass face on there. You know what I mean? I put something fun on my Facebook page. And so on Christmas morning, um, I decided that I was going to, uh, you know, uh, put up a, a different picture, you know, to honor Christmas, you know, it was a festive time. Right. <laughs> and so I put a picture yes. of Mr. Hanky as my avatar, as my picture. And you're, you, you're familiar mm-hmm. with Mr. Mr. Hanky. Yes. He's the Christmas poo from South Park. Hey, you know, you know, uh, he is the Christmas poo. He wears the Christmas hat and he's Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo from South Park. And I put that picture up, you know, hey, Merry Christmas. Here's Mr. Hanky. He's my picture for the day. And I got thrown in jail because Mr. Hanky evidently violates the community standards on nudity and sexual activity. Well, it is a piece of poo. <laughs> I, I guess, man. I don't know. So anyway, I'm in Facebook jail. That's why. I didn't do anything crazy. I didn't do anything nefarious. I just, you know, I said it, what I did was uh, I, I went to the midnight show at the music box of They Live on mm-hmm. Friday night. And they showed mm. it uh, in 35 millimeter. And there were like 350, 400 people there. It's insane. Uh, for John Carpenter's They Live, you know, some 34 years later, it was amazing. Um, so anyway, when I was there, I posted, you know, how you check in and t- let people know where you are. You know, that. Right. So I was like, hey, I'm at the music box and I'm seeing They Live. And uh, the picture of the poster accompanied my post. And literally three minutes after it was posted, they said, you're, you're out. You're banned. <laughs> so then I went, okay, I, evidently crazy. I can never post anything associated with They Live visually I ever guess. again. I so, guess. Goodness. But that's why I'm in Facebook jail. For those people who have been looking at the posts, because Ed and uh, the guys at Radio Misfits have taken over publicity for the week. Mm-hmm. And so Ed posted, hey, it's Radio Misfits plugging, you know, posting for Nick because he's been thrown in Facebook jail again. But we want you to listen <laughs> to the podcast. So they're, they're going to be doing the posts on my pages. 
you know, in my oh, absence. Okay. Nice. Uh, but they're being, but Ed's being a smart ass about it. It's like, let Nick tell you why he got thrown in Facebook jail. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, they live, John Carpenter's, they live not only a great movie, but, uh, it violates nudity and sexual activity on Facebook. Just so you know. Goodness. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so that means I can't plug the event, but I'm plugging it here Tuesday, February 21st. Unfortunately, Esmeralda, well, not unfortunate for you. You'll be in Mexico having a great time on a beach. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can also you can also still uh, talk to Nick through uh, Instagram. That's right. Although, <laughs> does it count? You can't. Because they are the same company. They are. But you know what? I am not banned from Instagram. I've been posting stuff on Instagram. So I've oh, not. okay. Yeah. So I'm not. Right. I guess it's just strictly Facebook. And I know they're the same company. Just but don't I ch- push it and try to post They Live. I will not <laughs> post They Live on, on any of these outlets anymore. Uh, and, I, and I think the real reason, Esmeralda, is that I don't know if you know this or not, but like They, they Live, you've seen the images of like the, the alien faces and then like the words obey and consume and all that stuff. From mm-hmm. the movie, because are you have you seen They Live? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know the idea is that if you put on these sunglasses, you can see that the world has been dominated by aliens, and that uh, all the billboards and magazines and advertising and stuff like that just instead, when you put the glasses on, it says consume or obey, or like if you look at a dollar bill, if you look at any money, when you put the sunglasses on, it reveals that this that it says this is your god, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So it's a very yeah. it, it it came out in the fall of 1988 during the uh, George uh, Bush the uh, the father George Bush and da- and Dan Quayle um, election and Carpenter released it at that time and he made one of the aliens look exactly like Dan Quayle <laughs> and so it was a very <laughs> it was a very political statement on the part of left wing John Carpenter going after Bush and Quayle and that kind of politics though has been you know, like reappropriated and taken. Uh, they've taken the images, like like anti-vaxxers, by the way, have taken that image of the alien and the obey behind him and in their way saying, hey, if you take the vaccine, you may as well be this. So they've taken what Carpenter's very leftist p- politics from the movie and they've used it for their own. Uh, so... I, and I think what happens to the algorithm, to, to, be, to be kind of serious about it, not just because like Facebook is stupid, but I think what happens is what triggers the algorithm is that face, that, 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 that very specific they live alien face, has now mm-hmm. been associated with a lot of stuff on social media that has caused a lot of firestorms in terms of like a lot of very radical people have taken the imagery of they live and used it uh, to promote their politics. Do you know what I mean? And I yep. think the, I think because that this these images have triggered a lot of trouble on social media and on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, I think they're flagged. That's what I think it is. Mm, you know what I mean? Know. Because they've taken these images and a lot of radical people have taken them and used it to promote anti-vax or even crazier shit. Um, and to, to Carpenter's chagrin, you know what I mean? Like to you know, like Carpenter is like the most left person, and you know what I mean in the world. And they've yeah. ta- they've taken this imagery. Which was an insult in the movie, but they've taken it and went, yeah, this is what we want. And I think that's what triggers the algorithm. Almost positive. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, uh, anyway, lesson learned. No more they live on, on my Facebook page. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love this Oh, my show. God. She's wearing the alien makeup from They Live. 
Oh, wow. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. She and is quick. I love oh, Nick's thank show. You. Hey, by the way, Esmeralda, a woman showed up in full makeup uh, Friday night to the movie. She was, the it, was it Carrie Russell? No, it was him. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. <laughs> Maybe it was her. I, I don't know. I love Nick's but show. But she showed up in like full, and she did the makeup herself. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. She looked amazing. And the manager at the music box ran out from behind the counter and took pictures of her and stuff and posted it on the website and stuff. And what was really funny is yeah, that there was, so cool. there was another movie playing at the same time. They did like a midnight show of this horror film that Skinamarink is what it's called. And it's a, I think it's a piece mm-hmm. of shit. But people are loving it for some reason. And, uh, and, I, saw, and I told her, I, t- I talked to her, wow, that's amazing. And I took a picture of it. I didn't post it because I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> um, and I won't post it because it's the alien face. But she did the makeup herself. Ooh, yeah. And she looked amazing. And I was like, you know what would be really funny is if you asked for a ticket for Skinamarink. And didn't ask for a ticket. <laughs> She's like, "This is just my look." <laughs> yeah, this is how I look. Oh, you got they live showing here. I didn't even know that. This is just my makeup. I huh, came here what's to, that? I came here to see the other movie. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, and and uh, and so she showed up, and it was great. Maybe that was Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, All right, Carrie. and All right. I love Nick's show. All right, so she had to keep up that makeup yeah. the, this, whole, this, the whole the whole time, many days. Yeah. Get the fuck out of my house. Okay, there you go. All right. Oh, boy. Ah! Uh, so, do do you want to hear the latest megaphone message? Oh, of course. Okay. Uh, uh, This is the megaphone message, which we've explained, Mm -hmm. um, where you tell me what to say. I'm just a monkey who will say something into the magic megaphone. It will be repeated. It could be an inside joke, uh, instructions, a comment, a marriage proposal. I don't know. I never. We haven't had a marriage. That would yet, be so. But that would be really. Don't ridiculous. don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that. <laughs> no, because the answer is going to be no. Uh, by the way, the, I, I will tell you right now. <laughs> if if you do, if you actually have a marriage proposal uh, on this podcast as one of the magic megaphone things, the answer will be no. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah, uh, but you Just can leave a, you can leave instructions from what you want me to say into the magic megaphone. Uh, email me nickdpodcast at gmail dot com or you leave your voicemails. For us, uh, 773-417-6948. All right. I'll, as usual, I will play the megaphone message, Esmeralda, and then explain it uh, from the person who sent the email, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we go. Stay away from the summoner. Stay away from the summoner. Stay away from the summoner. All right. Stay away from the summoner. All right. Uh, did you hear that? <laughs> I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. That was me, because mm-hmm. I was told to do it uh, in your best. Do it in your best old lady voice. <laughs> so that was my. This is my old lady voice. Stay away from the summoner. That was pretty good. Stay away from the summoner. So thank you, thank you. I got a little witchy, like old timey witchy. Lady that's what I was kind of. Thank you, because well. that's what I was shooting for. When I heard old oh, lady, well, I immediately went spot for, on. I kind of went for old witch. That's kind of what I went for. Yeah, yeah, worked. Uh, very I don't. Well. I don't know what that means. I'm assuming you don't know what that means. No. no. Okay. Um. And I. Uh. I, I. From what I understand, uh, this is not, now. You know, your 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 boyfriend Colin might know because it involves a video game. Okay. So he might know. He of the people that have you mm-hmm. know that have heard this. I think if Colin heard it, he might go, "Oh yeah, that's from blah blah blah." Because evidently it's from a video game. Okay. All right. And Joseph, who came to our last uh, 
event, our last podcast event at Zany's, and he won actually. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, he. What did he? What did he win? He won something. I don't know what he won, but he won. He won something because he, he won knew, a prize. He yes, he won a prize because he <laughs> knew. Oh, he knew this. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. The trivia question was, "Who lives on Nick's back porch?" Mm. And he he's the guy who answered that, and he yeah. won. Yes. Uh, he won a prize. Anyway, Joseph said. Uh, I have an, uh, a, a magic megaphone request, and I know that you get a bajillion of these. Ha ha. <laughs> this request comes from one of my favorite video games. There is a line in there that my favorite YouTuber made into a meme years ago. One time I was really depressed, and he did that line, and I about pissed my pants laughing. The line I would like you to say is, stay away from the summoner. And I would have greatly appreciated if you gave it your best old lady voice. So that's what I did. Now, I don't know what video game it is, but apparently someone... And he didn't say? He did not. <laughs> okay. So I guess if we maybe Google stay away from the summoner, we might find out what video game... If we Google stay away from the summoner video game, maybe that'll pop up. But he, it's from his, one of his favorite video games, and the line was from a YouTuber. Uh, it's a... Um... It's a fi- Final Fantasy, one oh, of the from, Final Fantasy video uh, games. Okay. Yeah. It's from Final Fantasy. Okay. I, now, I've never played the video game, but I did see the movie, the animated movie from like 20 years ago. That they, mm-hmm. that did they, they say it in the, in the movie? I don't remember. I, saw, <laughs> I have no idea. How dare you not remember? <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not, I did not uh, didn't memorize Final Fantasy. I, uh, that was not... <laughs> Something I memorized, uh, but yeah. So there's that's where it's from. So stay away from the summoner. The old lady saying saying this. Stay away from the summoner. That's that's yeah. So there you mm, go. That's that's okay. this that's this this uh, episode. Very nice. Magic megaphone again. You got a magic megaphone request? Nick T podcast at gmail dot com. So there you go. All right. Using your acting chops there. How about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Hey, my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke in a little bit. We got that coming up. Very uh, nice. And uh, uh, I also thought this article was really interesting about you, you ever watch a, a, you know, like a TV show and um, sometimes the characters act differently than what you're used to. Um, How so? Well, like I'll give you I'll give you an example. Um, did you ever notice that uh, Homer? uh got dumber and dumber as seasons went on in the Simpsons. Oh. Um, yeah. Like like during the during the 90s when the Simpsons was cuz to me between 91ish and 97 there was not a better show on TV than the Simpsons. It was consistently brilliant and it has completely fallen off the cliff. Uh you know, I mean I haven't watched a new episode of the Simpsons in I don't know 20 years, 15 years at least. Yeah. I've I've caught a couple recent yeah. ones and it's it's kind of rough it is it's rough but that that period though between 91 and 97 i maintain the most brilliant show on tv and and really brilliant in every possible way and really funny and really smart uh and then but then like after a while it was like because you know they the, the the writers are you know they have a turnover in the writing staff like they get new writers mm-hmm. all the time and a lot of the new writers just don't, I don't think, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but I don't think that they really care about the history of the characters. And I know it's a cartoon, but I, when I started watching it and Marge would do shit that was like completely unmarge, like the, the gun episode where she's got the gun. 
it's completely. I hate that episode. I hate the ending of that episode so much because Marge would never do that. Um, yeah. And Homer just keeps kept getting dumber, and it got to the point where they didn't write <laughs> sweet stuff for Homer, like that episode where um, um, Lisa. It's a, she has that dream where she goes into the future and she gets married. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's Hugh Grant is the voice of her fiance. And then she cuts back, and she and Homer are at the fair. And then at the end, he's on her; she's on his shoulders, and they're like, "I got sick, but then I rode it again." He talks about how he rode the roller coaster, but he got sick, and he rode it again. And it was this sweet, beautiful moment between Lisa and Homer. And he was not not the smartest, you know, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But it got to the point where they erased all of that fun, beautiful, like sweet stuff, and just made mm-hmm. Homer dumber than a, bo- a bag of, you know, a bag of rocks. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you mean. And that just bothered me. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, come on, you know. Yeah, cause, because it's kind of the endearing bit about him. Because, yeah, when he's, I mean, when you're that stupid, you're just dumb. Yeah. And there's nothing, like, redeeming about you. Right, exactly. And, and you know. It's, yeah, not a good character. And anymore. the other thing is, it's like, okay, here, let me ask you this, uh, Esmeralda. And, again, you know, during the sweet spot of the of the Simpsons, that, like, seven-year run of the simpsons what what do you think is what, if I, what i would say is the coolest thing about lisa what would you think uh her saxophone okay the saxophone is great saxophone <laughs> that's great but i here's why because you know like lisa is the smart clearly the smartest one in the family okay that's yeah. you know what i mean like she's the most she's got you know, uh, uh, she stands for, she stands up for things. She's very, very smart. Probably the most moral person in the family. You know what I mean? Um, and clearly the smartest. But the thing that I love about her, and she's always the like the voice of reason. You know, like you know, like when Homer does something dumb or Bart does something mean, she's always there sure. to kind of settle it. Uh, yeah. and, so, and and obviously Marge is kind of like that too. But Lisa is known as the smarty pants. Like she's the genius. But my favorite thing about Lisa, as being, you know, the genius, is that, this is absolutely my favorite thing, she laughs at Itchy and Scratchy. And that makes me really happy. Because someone like her, the smart person, shouldn't laugh at, you know what I mean? Like, technically, she probably should mm-hmm. be above it. She should be above Itchy and Scratchy. And my, Do they even still do Itchy and Scratchy? I don't even I know. I don't, seen... I, don't, I don't I don't know. I don't I watch it. I haven't heard from Itchy and Scratchy. I'm just saying that I love that they wrote in the fact that she's still a kid. You know what I mean? Like, she's smart. She's obviously, you know, much more well-read than anybody else in the family. And, you know, always, like, rolls her eyes at the stupid shit her family does. And yet she still laughs her ass off at Itchy and Scratchy. And I love that. That's, like, my favorite thing. (laughs) You know? Like, she's still a kid. And she still thinks yeah. itchy, and, funny. It, itchy yeah, yeah. and scratchy is funny. And I love that. I find that the most endearing thing about Lisa. You know? And I love that they included that. I love that the writers were like, she's still a kid. And she's going to laugh at the shit that Itchy and Scratchy does. And I love that. That's my favorite thing about her. And hopefully they didn't change that. <laughs> I, I just, well, now I'm thinking, like, I haven't seen Itchy and Scratchy. So I feel like they might have not gotten rid of them. But yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they use them as much as they they would well, before. I mean, that's too bad because I mean, one of the greatest episodes ever is when they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land. That's one of the uh, greatest. I mean, and Itchy and Scratchy provides so many great moments in the you know uh, you know uh, whenever they're laughing and and whenever they sit in front of the TV and and Barton and Lisa laugh. It just 
it, it kills me every single time when Inchy and Scratchy does something. But I especially love it when, when Lisa laughs. It just makes me happy that Lisa laughs at Itchy and Scratchy. So but I hope that hasn't changed. But this article that I've got uh, here that I want to talk about with you is in sitcoms, characters change. You right. know, um, and uh, the personalities completely change. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Did any of these pop out at you? Because there are like 15 examples here in the article about how one of your favorite characters on a sitcom suddenly changes and you're like, what happened? Anything pop out here for you? Um, I'm looking at Kelly Bundy. Yeah. And I didn't know that she went dumber with less clothes. Absolutely. Yeah. She did. I didn't. I don't really. I thought she was like that the whole time. She wasn't. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, she did. She started out, she definitely, well, well first of all, she, you know, uh, Christine Applegate was, I don't know, maybe, she was just a young teenager when the show started. So as she got older, obviously, the clothes became less because it was more, you know, it would have been unbelievably inappropriate for her, you know, uh, to be, like, half naked. Right. Even, even more so. But as she got older, you know, they pushed that a little bit, uh, a, a little bit, but yeah, she was not nearly as dumb. She got dumber as the show went on. It's, it's, it's yeah, I guess I'm thinking I, cause I, I don't, I'm assuming I just didn't watch the beginning mm-hmm. because well, that, I was too young. Yeah. Well that show, and I'm i I'm a fan of, I, I am an unapologetic fan of married with children. I love married with children. I think it's great. And I know a lot of people hate it. My dad fucking hates married with children. <laughs> hates it and i know a lot I, of people we used to it. watch we used to watch it yeah like uh, every every sunday yeah no it, and, and again as well if you remember you know like that was the new thing fox was new you know what i mean you know you, you remember what fox when they first launched what they had what they, was it they had america's most wanted and they had married with children oh that would those were like their big that was the big thing that's what got people hooked into fox when fox first started you know like rupert murdoch is starting the fourth network and they didn't really have anything that took off so they did uh as controversial a show as they could so they had married with children which was this you know va 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 voom sexy politically incorrect show and then they had america's most wanted those were their two things and they just what <laughs> whatever took off they whatever took off they emphasized more so yes if you got christine applegate uh, they think it's funny when she says something dumb. Make her really dumb and make her really sexy, and that's what they did. So, but yeah, I watched that huh. show. I watched that show from the beginning, and I did notice it got, it, and it got even. You know, I, I know people who hate Married with Children, and I can understand that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I could see that too. But I mean, but I, well, how do you feel about it? You watched it. How do you feel about it? Yeah, we watched it every Sunday. So clearly. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was. I think it's funny, and I think Ed O'Neill's brilliant on it. I think everybody's brilliant on it. I think Christina Applegate is one of the greatest comedic actresses on the planet, and I thought Faustino was funny. And and I mean, Katie uh, Katie Segal is unbelievable on that show. Um, and Ed O'Neill, I think uh, Al Bundy's one of the best sitcom characters of all time. I love that show. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. How about Ralph Malf on Happy Days? Now, did you watch reruns of Happy Days because you were too young when it when it first? Uh, came out? No. No, Not I even. never watched Happy never. Days. Happy Days. I mean, look, I'm, you know, I'm a kid of the 70s, and Happy Days was massive. You know what I mean? All of that shit. Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mark and Mindy, all of the offshoots and everything, huge, mm-hmm. huge. Uh, and, and it was weird because I watched Happy Days, and the Fonz was the biggest. I mean, you know that, that 
uh, uh, the Fonz was the biggest, most popular character of the seventies. Like in you know, and still to this day, one of the most popular characters yeah. in, in television history. But this is true. It says Ralph Malph in, the, in Happy Days, and we're talking about uh, TV sitcom characters who completely characters changed. In the fourth episode of season one, Ralph Malph lost his hip Fonzie-like traits and became more of a dork, and that's what he was for the next two hundred and fifty <laughs> episodes. Yeah, you can't really not be because you can't overshadow the Fonz. Well, yeah. Now you know that. So everyone's got to be nerds, and then that's right. Uh, the well, Fonz, that, the but coolest. That's, that's originally not what it was supposed to be because the Fonz. Uh, Henry Winkle will tell the story. He was not a regular on that show when it first started. He was just going to be kind of a recurring character. Well, that's nice. And then when his character took off, they were like, okay, well, he's got to be in every episode. Yeah. He's got to be the lead, and everybody else has to placate to Fonz. So, you know, this was not, it was not expected. It was not, originally, it was not written. Fonzie was not written to be a regular on the show. He was only supposed to pop in here and there every once in a while, maybe. But he was the character that took off. So, of course, Gary Marshall's like, well, he's going to be, he's going to be our dude. So. It's I mean, how that happens. That's like, pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool that they're like, we really like this. Yeah. And then they have to change things all around it. So, I mean, I, th I mean, I think that's pretty cool in the sense, like, wow, you really did a good job. Yep. At this side character. Yep. That yep. you are now become essentially like main character. Absolutely. Like, good for you. Absolutely. And if you ever watch, and I highly recommend this, Esmeralda, if you, if you get a chance, to watch. Because Henry Winkler is a, is a national treasure. I fucking love Henry Winkler. I, I, you know, I grew up watching the Fonz. I wasn't as big a Happy Days guy as everybody else was. I mean, I liked it. But, like, I mean, him and Barry, he's unbelievable in Barry. And he's just like, by all reports, people who have interviewed him, he's the nicest guy in the world. He just is a national treasure. But if you ever get a chance, <laughs> if you ever get a chance, Esmeralda, to watch his um, actor studio, inside the actor studio, it's mm. unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And he tells the whole story of how Fonzie began and what he morphed into and then ultimately the whole jumping the shark and all of that stuff. It's a great and, – and, and again, he tells great stories and he's funny and he's just adorable. And I love Henry Winkler. But – if you, if you ever get a chance, to everybody who's listening and to Esmeralda, if you get a chance, look it up. Look up his Inside the Actor Studio uh, Henry Winkler episode. It's great. It's great. Huh. So, um, All right. Any other uh, characters that, that, uh, that appear to have changed? Um, I like the Creed one <laughs> from The Creed. Office just yeah. because, okay. yeah, <laughs> you in the beginning, you didn't really think of Creed and then they made him like this weirdo. <laughs> That like he needs his own show. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. He's one of my favorite characters on the office. The office is filled with great characters, but um, Creed is great, man. And you know that the guy who plays Creed, oh shit, and I can't remember his name. The guy who plays Creed, you know, he's in a band. Like he's in like a I rock. I feel band. like I knew that. And I'm blanking on it um, on what band it is, and I can't remember the guy's name, the actor's name, but. Uh, but Creed is always great because like he's always like if you, one of one of my favorite things to do when I watch the office reruns as well. Have you ever done this? Uh -huh. Just just watch certain characters every once in a while because you've se I've seen all the episodes a bunch of times. So every once in a while yeah. I like to watch. Certain uh, by characters. the way, you know, his name is Creed. It is Creed. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is. Um, Creed plays Creed. Right. 
and and he's in a band, and I can't remember what it is. He's like in a rock band or some like a weird, you know, like a cult. Um, well, in the '60s, he was. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Grassroots. Wait, 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 wait a minute. He was in the Grassroots. Yeah, he was. I wasn't mean, he? according to yeah, yeah, Google, yeah, yeah, he was. That's what it is. Okay, that's what it is. No, that's not a cult band. That's a fucking popular band. <laughs> he was in the Grassroots, and I think they make references to it in the office, and I just forgotten about it. But you ever watch an episode and just watch Creed? Have you ever just like watched, you know, like just watch Creed in the background? <laughs> Not really, no. It's so fun, man, because he's so weird, because Creed is so goddamn weird. And then every time they would do like, you know, a, a cutaway to an interview, like a talking head with him, he always said uh-huh. weird shit. He always said weird shit. You know what I mean? You're like, whoa, <laughs> Creed's crazy. But yeah. So yeah, he was just like a, a like what it says here that he was just sort of a background player, and they pushed him up because people see again, again, like good for him. Yeah. How about this one? Now, I never watched Friends. Um, did you watch Friends with Rose? Yeah. Okay, I never watched it, and I've told this story a million times. The only time I've ever seen an episode of Friends from beginning to end all the way through was when I was stuck on a plane, and I had no choice. <laughs> we were stuck. We were stuck on the tarmac at LaGuardia in New York because we couldn't find a gate, and we were there for like hours. And at one point, uh, a flight attendant popped in a video of uh, an episode of Friends, and that's the only time I've ever watched it front to back. Anytime I've ever tried to watch it, I've turned it off after five minutes because I just think it sucks. But I don't, I don't know this, this one that they have about Joey. Is this, now as someone who watched Friends, uh, take a look at the, at, the, at the piece that they do on Joey. Uh, tell, us, tell us about that. And, and if that is indeed, as someone who watched the show, did that happen with Joey? Did Joey yeah. change? I mean, you do realize like everybody is a certain way in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Joey specifically, like... He was kind of, yeah, like a little bit of a dummy, but not like how they really made him towards the end. They they really kind of like Kelly. Yeah, in, like um, Kelly on 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 unmarried. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They they essentially made them just and like, like Homer. So, too like Homer. dumb. Yeah. Like Homer. Like, so I guess that's a thing. Like if a character gets laughs because they act dumb, make them as dumb as a post. I guess that's the thing. Right. And it's like, how do you live? Like your life. <laughs> How do you, How do you afford- go yeah. about your day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, here's what, what. So, what does it say in the uh, in the piece here? The, the little. Uh, so Joey was never the smartest, but early in season one, he has street smarts and even gave sound life advice. He suddenly gets incredibly dumb, failing to realize Phoebe and Ursula, which are their twins, right, uh, have the same birthday, and his IQ is all downhill from there. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. Now, did the other characters change too? Did the other friends change? Um, um, I wouldn't say to the level that Joey okay. of like being kind of smart to dumb. Okay. Um, so then my question is: I would is, say that like um, Jennifer Aniston's character, mm-hmm. she she got different. She changed, but she changed for the better. Like she grew, like she grew right. into herself. Because right. in the beginning, she. She was new to the city. She didn't really know much. She was kind of just trying to find a job, blah, blah, blah. And then she does. She gets a job in fashion and, like, she's a higher up. And, like, she gets to, you know, she grows. They all, I mean, they all get older. They all get into their 30s and everything on the show. So. Yeah. It's interesting that Joey (laughs) uh, essentially is going backwards while everyone else is kind of growing. And it's also interesting different. If the character continually gets dumber and dumber and dumber to the point where you're like, how can this guy function? And he's the guy that gets the spinoff? 
<laughs> right. You know what, well, you know because I mean? he's so goofy. Right. I can't yeah, um, this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does towards the end, like they start a relationship, him and Jennifer Aniston. Kind of like Wait he tries. I thought, well, like I thought he, it was Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, right? it was, but then they would go like back and forth. Like there was oh, a time oh, where I she was that. living with him with Joey, like as roommates, and then he like had this huge huge crush on her, oh. and like he professed his love and like all this stuff. So yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I have to plead ignorance. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the only thing I know is that I used to have it on when I was doing the overnights at the car wash. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have the monitors on in the studio. And they would have different TV channels on. One of them would be Channel 9. And at night, they would show like three overnights, three episodes of Friends. So I've seen a lot of episodes without sound. Um, and So, so I've you've seen, seen the actions. I've seen, yeah. I, look up every, I would look up every once in a while and see what was happening on Friends. And the only thing that I recall is because the, the only person on Friends that I like, the only person on that show that I like was Lisa Kudrow. And I love her. Yeah. And she was my favorite of all of them. I, I don't know the character. I don't know. I know Phoebe had a twin and she was dumb as well. Wasn't Phoebe dumb too? And she sang cat songs. Um, and yeah, shit? she was a little, she was a little goofy. She mm. had a different life. Uh, she did like not live with the other friend. Ones, right? She was different. Like she had yeah. a different life versus everybody else. Like everyone yeah. else kind of grew up in like these loving little families and like, she apparently was homeless for a while. Like, she always has these just, like, <laughs> she just has an insane backstory that makes no sense as to why she's friends with these people. I gotcha. Well, the only thing that would keep me interested visually is is Lisa Kudrow. Because I remember yeah. there, there was a Halloween episode where she was, like, dressed up like Superman, and I could not concentrate on the show. Because I, fi- <laughs> I, find, I find Lisa Kudrow to be amazingly attractive. I just, like, I think she's amazing. And, and, and also, like, an incredibly talented comedic actress and a great actress in general. But, like, she was wearing that Superman outfit, and I just kept going, uh, what? Like, I kept looking up and looking at her. And there yeah. was also an episode where people were running around with turkeys on their heads. I remember one episode where, like, somebody had a turkey. Like, I think it was Joey had a, jer- a turkey for a head. Like, an actual turkey. His head was inside right. the turkey. Uh, that's all I remember. <laughs> like, and I remember, I remember we made a joke about it in a play that uh, Scott Oaken wrote that I directed. Uh, uh, where he talked about Ross. Uh, uh, there's a reference to an episode where Ross is, that's uh, Schwimmer, right? Ross? Yes. yes okay. Yes. Where he's trying to put on pants. Like he's try- he has a pair of pants, a leather pants or something. Mm-hmm. So that became a joke in this play that I directed, but I had no point of reference. I, never, I was like, did you make that up? And Scott's like, no, the idiot. That's an actual episode of Friends where <laughs> he puts on a pair, like Ross has a pair of leather pants that he puts on or something. Yeah. So that's how ignorant I was. Like, during that play I directed, I'm like, is that a real reference? He's like, yes, you fucking moron. <laughs> how, do you not know, how do you not know the leather pants episode? I'm like, I don't. Sorry. So. All right. But, yeah, Joey gets the spinoff. He, he's brain dead by the end of that yeah, season. Yeah, but also the, didn't do well, right? It did not. It, was, it is actually considered, um, and uh, it actually considered it's on the list of worst spinoffs of all time. And Joey is right. Yikes. Right up there. So, all right. Well, we have more of these that we can get to at some other time uh, uh, where sitcom characters have changed. But it, it is interesting. I guess the thing that I think that, that we've discovered here, Esmeralda, is that um, if you're dumb and it works, you're just going to get dumber. That's, you know what right? I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to go full tilt. Full dumb. On the dumb. Full dumb. All right. Uh, let's, before we do our taste test of the new Kit Kats that we have, we have like um, mm-hmm. Kit Kats from Asia. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Hi, Carrie. And I love Nick's show. Yeah, my dad is freaking out because Carrie's in the They Live makeup. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I would be frightened too. Uh, Slash, like, amazed to be like, yeah. that's really cool. But yeah. and it's, go but, stand over but, there. But it's Carrie Russell, so she's an adorable and beautiful uh, They Live alien. <laughs> so, oh, my dad just came in. So you ready for a joke? Yeah. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yes! Here we go. All right, my dad tells a joke. Every Tuesday on the podcast, he's been telling jokes his whole life. He will close the show on February 21st at Zany's uh, in Rosemont uh, by telling some jokes. Uh, so get your tickets now, rosemont.zanies.com. Hey, by the way, uh, Esmeralda, um, I, I do the next time, remind me the next time uh, on, on Friday when we do the podcast. Uh-huh. Um, someone uh, emailed me with a full explanation as to why lots of people used Cairo syrup on pancakes. Ugh, because they're gross. But yeah, but this is uh, it, there's a, there's a, yeah. I Sorry. have I have kind of an explanation. Well, if, for people who don't know, in the last episode we were talking about weird parenting things and how Esmeralda went over to a friend's house and uh, having dinner there was a different experience. There was no Kool Aid. There was water. And <laughs> I was talking about how going over to my friend's house to have breakfast was weird because they would serve second rate Bisquick pancakes and they would not use maple syrup. They would use dark caro corn syrup. Yeah. So we told that story, and I have an explanation. So remind me, Esmeralda, to tell the okay. explanation the next time. Will do. Okay. All right, my dad's here to tell a joke. Dad, hit it, man. 80-year-old Bessie runs into the recreation room at her retirement home with her fist in the air and asks, anybody who can guess what's in my – any guy that can ask, tell me what's in my hand, can have sex with me all night. Guy in the back room said, elephant. She said, close enough. <laughs> know what's going on my dad telling dirty that was jokey yep. jokey jokey time <laughs> it was a jokey 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 time nick's dad told a joke yeah <laughs> horny old lady that's what that joke was about it was about a horny old lady so all right there you go don't tell that joke on facebook dad because they'll ban you that's i'm in jail oh yeah Probably. Okay. So we got some uh, Kit Kats that we're, we're taste testing. Two Kit Kats. These are Asian uh, Kit Kats uh, with, you know, different flavors. And uh, yes. to explain what the, what the two are that we're going to taste test here. And, so and, I, we have, and I have the, I have the uh, translation. Yes. We have peach mm-hmm. and we have pudding flavored. Yes. And Which the, I believe vanilla pudding. It, yeah, I guess. It doesn't say. But here's what it says on the Kit Kat itself. Because mm-hmm. it's all uh, in Japanese characters. And it says, Pudding, when to bake the saucer tray top plate, use it. Be sure to check the package or website on how to bake. That's what it says on the front. So they're, get, they're telling you how to, how to, I guess, bake, bake uh, pudding? Even though it's yeah, a candy they're bar. telling you how to make pudding because and it's it pudding says, flavored. They're sort of telling you how to make pudding, and then it says, uh, "Click here for how to bake." Um, and so you can scan one of those codes, one of those uh, 
what, what do they call the, the codes that you can scan with your QR phone? code? The QR code. So they have a QR code where you can get instructions on how to bake. And then it says to enjoy deliciously and safely chocolate contains oil. If the temperature is too high, the oil may ignite. Be sure oh to Lord. use a saucer, saucer or tray plate and be careful not to drop the chocolate on or near the heater. Also, do not look away from the toaster while it is heating so that it does not burn and become too hot. Kit Kat is hot after heating, so be careful not to burn yourself. The heating time may slightly be, might slightly change depending on the model of the toaster and heating condition, so please adjust accordingly. So they're saying heat this thing up, heat up the, the Kit Kat. I mean, that could make sense. You want... Right. So if you want hot You want pudding, like a hot... Yeah. Because like chocolate chip cookies, maybe yeah. it's a whole. But I love how it's like, do not take your eye off of the toaster. while, <laughs> And the Kit Kat will be hot. <laughs> I mean, that's sound advice anytime you're using. Absolutely right. All right. So, uh, which... so somebody, I found a website uh, where somebody made them. A la okay. the, the instructions pudding. on the. The instructions on the they followed the instructions on the package. Yeah, so if you get a big old pack of them, uh, on it it looks a little more. It makes more sense. It's got like a little family, and they have them on a tray. So you put these. So essentially, you would put these on the on a tray on like a little baking dish or whatever, and you toast them, and then the top's supposed to get all toasty and like. Oh, okay. See, so that's what this is about. You can you can. Uh... Do a little toasting of your of your if you want a hot Kit Kat, be careful. Watch the toaster, and there you go. Yeah, so they get a little okay. toasty on top. Oh, okay, and that melty. Sounds, that sounds pretty cool. All right, so what do you want to try first? Do you want to try the pudding, or do you want to try the peach? Uh, let's do the pudding. Okay, we'll do because I opened it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll do pudding first, and this is pudding flavored. You can toast it up. All right. What do you think, Esmeralda? Yeah, if you have a toast, if you have a toaster oven, you could. I'd be curious to try any of them. Mm-hmm. Any Kit Kat in a in a toaster. Okay. By the way, a toaster oven, not like a right. Oh mm. God, I just dropped a Kit Kat. Oh no, is Jake oh, in there? Is Jake okay. gonna eat it? No, he doesn't eat. He doesn't eat people food. Okay, that's good. Um, uh, mm. it's just that it's kind of melty. So now I'm like, oh good. All right, uh, it's good. It would be good toasty. It's a weird. It doesn't taste like vanilla. I don't know. It's custard. Yeah, custard pudding flavor. So whatever. Yeah, that's what it tastes like. It tastes like custard. basic custard. It's good, and I I would imagine toasting it would be good. All right. So, mine yes. is like half melted. <laughs> I had mine in the fridge and then took it out like right before we taped. Oh, mine are just sitting in my closet. So yeah, um, <laughs> I think they're all like a level of melted. All right, peach. Peach Kit Kat. So this hopefully will taste like peach. peach. This one's interesting just because peach. Mm. I mean, have uh, you ever had a peach chocolate anything? I have not. It t- wow. Esmeralda, heavy Ooh, on th- That really smells like peach. It is full on peach. I'm chewing on it right now. If you like peach, you'll like this. And it's pink. It, it, it's pink in color. Ooh. If you like peach, yeah. oh, it's yeah. like t- t- it's full on peach. Oh wow! Yeah, it really, holy moly! Yeah, I mean that, that is tastes just. Yeah, <laughs> if you like That's... peach, how do they do that? Good. Uh, 
All right, well, there you go. Pudding and peach. I say yes on both of these Kit Kat flavors. Mm. I think they're both good. I like the peach. I don't know if I could eat a peach Kit Kat all the time. Eat a peach. You know, that's an Almond Brothers album. It's a little sweet. Eat a peach Kit Kat. Is <laughs> Not that Kit Kat? No, it's just that was all, a eat, sequel. Eat a, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a sequel. All that's right, the well, one there you in go. Japan. There you go. <laughs> That's it. So, uh, yes, on, I say yes on both the pudding and the peach for yeah, Kit Kat. They're good. The okay. peach is a little too much, okay. like sweet wise. Mm-hmm. But the peach flavor, whoo, it's strong. that is definitely there. Let me tell you something. If you get the Asian uh, Kit Kat peach flavor and you like peaches, you will be happy. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, that's peach. So, it is peach. Uh, all right, cool. Well, thanks, Esmeralda. Thanks to uh, um, thank you, thank you to uh, Dmitry Samarov for being a fantastic uh, guest. And you can get his book; yeah. it's out now. Um, you can check out uh, DmitrySamarov.com. Uh, check us out at Zanies on February twenty first. Zanies in Rosemont, Rosemont.Zanies.com. Next time, uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi will be here, and we're going to talk about octogenarians who want to screw Tom Brady. Oh boy! <laughs> and a new Shamalama Ding Dong movie. There's a new Shamalama Ding Dong movie, so that's all coming up on Friday. It's exciting. Be a part of the podcast. Leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948. Email us uh, with your uh, megaphone messages as well, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Be a sponsor. Hey, you got something to advertise with us? Sales at radiomisfits.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the sounds and the music and the cool stuff, and Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. Check out radiomisfits.com and rate and review us on every platform. And we will see you next time right here on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is right on me.